This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're going to jail. A frightening incident between two people on a Vancouver transit bus caught on camera and why police are now investigating. 100% crossing the line. This is private property. Police move in to clear out a homeless protest after demonstrators take over an empty school. I don't know what I have in my account. I can't do anything. And the mystery outage at Van City. Why it's taken three days to fix an online banking glitch that's affected tens of thousands of customers. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. Well, police on Vancouver Island have moved quickly today to shut down a schoolhouse squat in Nanaimo. Around 30 homeless advocates from a group called Discontent City entered an empty school there last night, saying they were occupying it because of a lack of housing for the homeless. But as Nadia Stewart now reports, the response from residents has been swift and angry. Officers in full tactical gear prepare to move in on a vacant school in Nanaimo, where as many as 21 protesters are staging a demonstration. They call the schoolhouse squat. Fight for hope! Fight for justice! The group occupying Rutherford Elementary School arrived late Friday afternoon. That's when School District 68 began receiving calls as security alarms were going off. We were in contact constantly with the police last night. We made the decision that we had asked them to go in and, and resolve this and get these people out of here. With the community looking on, officers enter the school, eventually removing protesters one by one by way of a fire truck ladder from the school's roof. This is the latest escalation in a fight rocking Nanaimo. Since an estimated 250 to 300 homeless campers of so-called discontent city were forced out of their last site by way of a court order. The province has promised 170 units of temporary housing and 50 additional subsidized housing units. Fight for home! Fight for justice! But protesters say that's not good enough, leaving Nanaimo's mayor feeling frustrated. I don't know what we're supposed to do as society, uh, but when you try to help and you believe you know what the need is, to have people tell you that uh, that they want nothing to do with that. We're, we're live streaming from the back of a paddy wagon. I'm here with Ivan. Ivan Drury, one of the protesters arrested Saturday, has been one of the faces of this movement. The school district says activists' actions didn't help their cause. None of the people that are inside that building today are homeless people in Nanaimo. They're all activists that have come over from the mainland, and this is what they do. And you know what, again, it's a good cause. It is, but this isn't the way to do it. As you can see here, the community is turning against them, and people have heard and had enough, and it needs to stop. Do it in a respectful way. Work with your city and municipal and provincial partners. 50 to 60 RCMP officers from across the island were brought in for this incident. No word yet on the cost for that or how big the repair bill will be for the school district. All of the protesters are facing charges of mischief and break and enter. Nadia Stewart, Global News. 
In Vancouver, a disturbing confrontation on board a transit bus that was caught on camera. Paul Haysom has the details on this story. Paul, I understand Vancouver police are now looking into this and investigating. Yeah, they are, Sonia. Now, this all went down on the number 14 bus, and it was happening along the Granville Strip. A woman felt she was being followed and harassed by a man. She told the driver... I got to the tape a little early there, but I can tell you that the woman, she felt like she was being harassed. She told the driver, then asked the man to leave. The woman had her cell phone rolling. Then, of course, that happened. We want to roll it up to you at the beginning because this is how it all went down. She, the man was asked to leave. He was walking off the bus, asked her for some money. That She said no. He then bangs on the glass, and then he comes back inside. Take a look at what happened. You're going to jail. No! Tell me, help me! All right, important to note here, there's still a lot we do not know about the video. Vancouver police say they have opened a file, but they have yet to get back to us regarding suspects or arrests. Now, the woman who posted the video is obviously rattled and wants to hold both the man and the bus driver accountable for letting this all go down. Sonia? Thank you very much for all the details so far there, Paul. Fire crews had to deal with a fire at a police station in Delta today. They say the fire was started by somebody. The couches at the station on 84th Avenue were set on fire this afternoon. That set the sprinklers off and the building had to be evacuated. No one was hurt. Firefighters were able to knock it down quickly since there is a fire hall next door. A man was arrested and is in custody. No word on his motive. The station is now closed to the general public and anyone needing police assistance is being asked to go to Ladna headquarters instead. Now imagine not being able to pay your bills or see your current bank balance for three days straight. That is exactly what happened to tens of thousands of customers at Van City. The bank has now fixed the glitch, but a lot of people left asking why it took them so long. Jill Bennett reports. The signs out front of this branch ask a simple question. Do you know what your money is doing? But for three days, the answer was not simple at all because of an online system failure throughout Van City. I just, I don't know what I have on my account. I can't, I, I can't do anything and I really need it right now. Because I don't know my balance, right? You know, everybody wants to know their balance. Van City was quick to rule out a hack or security breach, but hundreds of thousands of customers were still unable to make e-transfers, pay bills online or check account balances. Late Saturday afternoon, there was some good news. So I'm pleased to report that our systems are now up and running. That means that members have access to online banking uh, and through the mobile app, as well as uh, full access, as they always have, to ATM, point-of-sale and Visa. Van City has extended branch and call centre hours to help answer questions and assist customers, but that isn't stopping many from taking to social media to slam the credit union, with comments such as, I wonder how many Van City members jumped ship today. Nobody is more upset at this uh, outage and the trust breach that it has had with our members than me. You know, I'm sick about it. We're not going to let it happen again. As for the cause of the major failure, that's still being investigated. Vrooman says it involved several parts of the system. That's why bringing everything back online is such a big task. So part of the reason it has taken so long for us to come back online is because we really wanted to make sure that we tested against the scenario that took it down in the first place. We retested 
tested, we test it again. But will the three-day outage lead to lost business? I know some people have been saying because of this they're going to switch banks. That's totally up to them. What about you? I like Van City. It's a good bank. <laughs> You'll stick with Van City? Oh, of course I will. Van City members will be compensated for any fees or costs incurred because of the outage. They're also being assured their credit scores won't be affected. Jill Bennett, Global News. Turning to the civic elections now, and advanced voting is being held in five lower mainland cities today. Maple Ridge, Delta, Richmond, Surrey and Burnaby. Now, the mayor's race in Burnaby is turning out to be one of the tightest in recent years. The mayoral candidates in the city facing off in a debate at Crystal Mall this afternoon. Incumbent Mayor Derek Corrigan and retired firefighter Mike Hurley taking part in this. A new poll commissioned by the International Association of Firefighters suggesting Corrigan and Hurley are virtually neck and neck right now. Corrigan has 43% of committed and decided voters. Hurley just a percentage point behind at 42% support. According to the survey, 51% of voters are still undecided. Burnaby has had a strong mayor for uh, for five full terms. Uh, so uh, for for someone who's relatively unknown to come forward and uh, make this kind of a difference in a poll is is quite meaningful. Corrigan uh, has a name recognition that certainly outstrips Mike Hurley's, and that may make a meaningful difference on election day. Allegations of voter fraud in Surrey's race have been going on for more than a week now. The claims have yet to be confirmed, but tonight we're finally hearing from two people who say that they were approached to participate in the alleged voter fraud. Paul Johnson reports. Casting early ballots in the Surrey municipal election. Is this vote happening under a cloud of attempted voter fraud? Some say it is. Saturday, two Surrey residents spoke to Global News with the promise they would remain anonymous. Both are South Asian men in their 30s and 40s who work in the construction trades and moved to Canada from India between 10 and 20 years ago. The man we'll call Mr. X told us two weeks ago he was approached by a man who wanted him to fill out a phony mail ballot in support of mayor candidate Tom Gill. Mr. X says he was told that money owed to him from a work project would be in jeopardy if he didn't participate in the scheme. The man we'll call Mr. Y says he was asked for names and addresses of other South Asians who don't typically vote and was told if he cooperated that his building projects could get better treatment at City Hall if he helped elect candidate Tom Gill. Without hesitation, I tell you, you know, that those accusations are false, absolutely false. Tom Gill says this is all part of a smear operation. And though he's reluctant to name names, he says he knows who's behind it. The charges first surfaced through another South Asian group called Wake Up Surrey, though they say they aren't backing any one candidate and were only passing on the stories of people they say were afraid to come forward on their own. There's no question in my mind, you know, there's a political motivation behind what's been happening over the last several months. The RCMP have confirmed they're investigating these charges, and it may take the outcome of that to know what's been going on in Surrey. But two things are clear at this point. One, Surrey's South Asian community is now a pivotal voting group. And as Surrey is about to eclipse Vancouver as Western Canada's biggest city, its politics matter more than ever. Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Provincially, Premier John Horgan was in Kitimat today, less than a week after LNG Canada announced the multi-billion project is set to go ahead. The community of Kitimat has been celebrating ever since that news was confirmed that a brand new processing terminal is going to be built in this community, along with a pipeline from Dawson Creek. The province saying the $40 billion project is expected to generate about $23 billion in public revenue over 40 years. The Premier saying the approval of this energy project can't be compared, though, to the Trans Mountain expansion projects. I re- really believe, I mean, this may sound trite, but it's comparing apples and oranges. The, uh, uh, the uh, Trans Mountain pipeline uh, did not get uh, universal support from Indigenous communities from waterline to border. Uh, LNG Canada was able to get all of the elected uh, councils from wellhead to waterline to support their initiative. Not only to support the initiative, but they put in place real partnership benefits, not just industrial benefits, but partnership benefits, particularly for the Heisla here in Kitimat, but right across the pipeline corridor. So the difference between how LNG Canada engaged with Indigenous communities is night and day. The non-profit group Furbearers is offering a reward in connection with the killing of a black bear family on the Sunshine Coast. Black bears are a common sight in backyards between Gibsons and Seashelt. Late last month, conservation officers say a sow and two cubs born earlier this year were discovered shot to death and dumped on a logging road in the Roberts Creek area. Uh, Shooting a sow with cubs is illegal under the BC Wildlife Act. Anyone experiencing bear problems Problems is encouraged to call the Conservation Service in order to avoid an outcome like this. Welcome back. Well, President Donald Trump's controversial nominee for Supreme Court has been sworn in after weeks of drama and claims of sexual assault. Brett Kavanaugh, accompanied by his wife and children, was sworn in this afternoon in a private ceremony. His confirmation being seen as a victory for President Trump ahead of key midterm elections in November. Kelly O'Donnell reports. On this day to tally the final votes. November is coming. Thousands marched on the U.S. Capitol demanding to be counted. Scores arrested after charging the Capitol steps trying to wield last-minute influence against the odds. Never over until the votes are counted. This fight is not over. This is one battle, but we are going to keep going. The free speech on display also came from those who believe Brett Kavanaugh is the right choice. I've just had it, and I just feel like I need to support my president, Judge Kavanaugh, and my country. Many stood up for sexual assault victims and against Judge Brett Kavanaugh, who fought back against decades-old sexual misconduct allegations. This is not okay with American women. Others said they believed Kavanaugh's denials over Christine Blasey Ford's accusation. There's no evidence to corroborate her claims, and you're going to ruin his life. Is that fair? A rare comment from the First Lady, ending her Africa tour in Egypt. Judge Kavanaugh. Um, I think he's highly qualified for the Supreme Court. I'm glad that uh, Dr. Ford was heard. At the White House, President Trump left for a campaign trip. I think he's going to make us all very proud. I also feel very strongly that uh, in the end, maybe the process, it was really unattractive. But the extra week was something that I think was really good. Inside the Senate chamber. 
Democrats argued their next step must be action on Election Day. There is one answer. Vote. While Republicans embraced their narrow victory. Judge Brett Kavanaugh is among the very best our nation has to offer. He will make the Senate and the country proud. With the vice president presiding, protesters tried to interrupt the actual vote. The sergeant-at-arms will restore order in the gallery. But the narrow margin was enough. On this vote, the ayes are 50, the nays are 48. The nomination of Brett M. Kavanaugh of Maryland to be an associate justice of the Supreme Court of the United States is confirmed. And Brett Kavanaugh was sworn in tonight at a private ceremony, holding his family Bible with his wife and two daughters. Kelly O'Donnell, NBC News, the White House. In Ontario, three people have been killed and two others left seriously injured after a crash northeast of Toronto. The Ontario Provincial Police say the crash happened in the early hours when an SUV crossed into oncoming traffic and collided head-on with a car in Port Berry. A man and two women died at the scene. The severely injured victims are another woman and a man, the victims ranging in age between 40 and 60. In Indonesia, hundreds of violent criminals have escaped prison following last week's earthquake and tsunami. The death toll is rising too now at more than 1,600. As Bill Neely reports, the damage is so bad, parts of the country may never be rebuilt. It's a street of death. 14 bodies removed from its rubble in minutes today. Entire families, two brothers, found hugging. The deep mud holds hundreds of victims. Rescuers will stop digging soon and turn this into a mass grave. This mosque doesn't belong here. It was moved several hundred yards. The school beside it too. Luckily, classes had finished for the day. And that's the only lucky thing that happened here. Roads end suddenly. Ships sit on city streets. There's a sea of mud around Palu. I'm hungry. And so many want to escape. Some do, the injured, the old, carried to a military plane, still suffering. They can leave their city, but not their trauma behind. 600 prisoners left their jail behind, escaping when the walls fell down. Go. Go. This convicted murderer came back after checking his family was alive. Rebuilding this city will take years. Too late for so many here. Bill Neely, NBC News, Palu, Indonesia. And in Alberta, after the recent major snowfall, officials are now warning of avalanches in Kananaskis country. In a video posted to Facebook, officials reminding people to be aware of the conditions as we enter avalanche season. Enthusiasts venturing into the backcountry are being advised to check the avalanche forecast, pack proper gear, including a signaling device, and never to travel alone. All good advice there. That's pretty extreme weather out there. Yeah, um, I was actually in Alberta yeah. last week. I missed all the snow. Oh, you I was a little snow? north of it, but uh, yeah, it was kind of... Winter definitely came came to Alberta. Yeah. 
All right. He can have it. <laughs> but we have no sign of snow here, everyone. No, um, and if you're traveling along the mountain passes, uh, just a heads up, but most of them will be on the dry side for tomorrow. We'll have more coming up and just some fog patches, so something to keep in mind. For us across the south coast today, it was fantastic, a great start to our long weekend with the sunshine today. It has been on the cool side. Our current temperature sitting at 11 out of the airport, Whistler at 10 degrees, Victoria closer to 13, and Tofino currently sitting at 12 degrees. We do have some rain to talk about. It is going to be quite soggy for our Thanksgiving. I'll have more on the timing, how much we can expect, but there is some good news. We will see the return for some sunshine once again, so the timing coming up shortly. All right, and in sport, what's going on? What's not going on? Okay. Everyone's playing tonight. (laughs) The Whitecaps have already played, so the news is actually pretty good. Whitecaps are in Toronto. They won. Lions are on the field, also playing Toronto. They are winning, and the Canucks play tonight in Calgary, so it's a triple header. The uh, Lions and Whitecaps are certainly fighting for their playoff lives, so staying alive, so to speak. (laughs) So we'll have all that coming up. Welcome back. Now, marijuana will be legal, of course, in less than two weeks. Yet cannabis amnesty is estimating more than half a million Canadians' lives have been negatively impacted by criminal convictions for nonviolent minor cannabis offences. That will soon no longer be a crime. Global's Jules Knox reports on how one campaign now is canvassing thousands of people to support pot pardons. So this is just a petition. Um, we're just supporting cannabis amnesty. A petition to pardon those with minor pot offenses. With legalization looming on the horizon, some say it's time to wipe the slate clean. We think it's a logical choice. It's a minor crime, and with it being legalized on the 17th, we really want to be the voice for the people that haven't had their voice heard in a while. Kelowna-based licensed marijuana producer Doja has partnered with Cannabis Amnesty, a not-for-profit organization of lawyers and advocates. What we're trying to do is get signatures on petition and go to government and pardon Canadians with a minor, nonviolent cannabis charge on the record. This is a good idea. Many supporting the petition say it's about time. In Canada, anybody that got caught for the last 40 years has now have, has a criminal record and can't get a decent job and it just follows them their whole life. So and, and this is long overdue. Because it's common sense. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to make it legal now, uh, why should people be in jail or have fines, whatever it is, uh, related to marijuana? It's, it's kind of absurd to me. This truck visiting various locations in Vancouver and Kelowna. In the last two weeks, approximately 4,000 people signing on in support of pot pardons. I personally just feel that's a little unjust um, to have these people who were incarcerated or, you know, um, charged at the time continue to be punished for actions that we now deem to be legal. Once 10,000 signatures are collected, organizers plan to present the petition to government officials. And as for where this truck petitioning for pardons is heading next, organizers are still working out the final details. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. In Health Matters tonight, more proof that the quest for that perfect selfie can be deadly. Researchers in India looked at news reports between 2011 and 2017 from around the world about selfie incidents. During that time, 259 people died while trying to take a selfie on tall buildings, cliffs and other dangerous areas. Now, the majority of those killed, they also tell us, were men. Singer Tina Turner has a very personal reason for encouraging people to sign up for organ donation. 
The 76-year-old has revealed that it was her husband who gave her one of his kidneys for a transplant. She's been writing about it in her new autobiography, that she suffered from kidney disease and that by 2016, her kidneys were functioning at 20% and plunging rapidly. She's been married to German music executive Erwin Bach since 2013 after a long relationship. Welcome back. Well, the East Van Cross has been near 6th Avenue and Clark Drive for less than a decade. Um, we are going to do that story after weather. So <laughs> let's go over now to Yvonne for a look at the weather. We'll tell you about that after. It was fantastic today, Sonia. Hope you got out and enjoyed it. We had plenty of sunshine and temperatures were comfortable, slightly on the cool side, but with the sunshine today, it was beautiful. A shot right now overlooking English Bay this evening. We're sitting at 11 degrees. We've had more cloud cover starting to inch in and we are looking at some rainfall developing as early as the morning hours. Wanted to show you this beautiful shot uh, sent in from Bonnie from Pitt Meadows showing us the cranberry bogs. It's fantastic, but a different weather picture will start to creep in tomorrow. Temperatures today up to 13 degrees below the average for this time of the year that typically sits at 15. Across the province for Kamloops up to 13. The piece today with the high 4. Campbell River at 14 degrees and your current temperatures for Cranbrook at 7. Trail into the double digits still at 10 and Victoria currently sitting at 13 degrees. Tomorrow we're only seeing a high of 12 degrees and we are looking at rainfall uh, on and off throughout the day. All courtesy of a system that is already starting to bring moisture across the north and central coast. It'll work its way across the south coast and we are going to see rain heavy at times, but you can see that on the future cast right along coastal sections for the morning hours and continuing throughout the day. Interior sections for tomorrow should see most of the rainfall developing overnight Sunday and towards your Monday. So one more dry day across the southern interior, but the central interior tracking some shower activity. Rainfall amounts ranging between 5 and up to 10 millimeters. This takes us in towards our Monday and a break will start to reappear once again on our Tuesday. A quick update if you're traveling along the mountain passes tomorrow for Whistler, it's rainfall. Most areas into the interior, the Coquihalla and the connector will see some fog patches for the morning hours and the connector by the afternoon, we are looking at a chance of showers. Higher elevations though, we are going to be seeing it for the central interior and the northeastern corners of the province with a chance for some flurries and light snowfall. Temperatures tomorrow for the piece up to the freezing mark. Tuesday, you'll see the return for some sunshine. White horse underneath a mainly cloudy sky. Flurries for tomorrow and the clearing developing by your uh, Monday late in the day. Coastal sections, very wet and windy for the north coast. Temperatures up to 11 tomorrow. Caribou and central interior, it's on and off showers and much cooler Monday and Tuesday with only highs of 5 degrees. Columbia and Kootenai region, one more dry day tomorrow. Showers for Monday and similar for Tuesday. The tops in Okanagan will have fog patches for the morning hours, sunshine closer towards the noon hour. Monday, Tuesday, we are looking at rain and for interior sections, it's Sunday overnight and towards your Monday morning that we're seeing the rain developing. Eight is the high for Whistler tomorrow and across the island we'll see that rain. Temperatures will be up to 12 degrees, 14, return for some sunshine, will kick in on our Tuesday, Wednesday, Thanksgiving, Monday. So a heads up, we are looking at some wet weather. Temperatures only up to 12 degrees, but very pleasant and beautiful with Tuesday, Wednesday, seeing highs of 13, 14 paired with sunshine. Sonia? All right. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. Now we'll tell you about the East of Ancross that's been near 6th Avenue and Clark Drive for less than a decade. For some, it's uh, already become a landmark in the neighbourhood. Now there are concerns about a new development proposal that could block the views for some people. Kristen Robinson reports. Ever since it went up in 2010... The East Van Cross has been growing on locals. 
I do like it as a, a marker for my neighborhood, and uh, it's kind of iconic now. I grew up in East Vancouver. I live in East Vancouver. I do see the sign quite often, and it's a reminder of my past. But the sign watching over the city for nearly a decade, now at risk of being overshadowed by development. I think it would be a real shame because it's a, a real Vancouver icon. The cross erected on city land next to a private lot where plans for an eight-story office tower are looming over the landmark. Its creator, artist Ken Lum, fears his symbol of unity could be lost. If that goes up, you know, the cross is basically finished and it would look, I think, quite comical as well, given the proximity of the development right next to the front face of the cross. Lum refused the developer's offer to move his public art piece or incorporate it into the tower, which will be the new home base for Nature's Path. The city says the development will create jobs on a vacant lot next to a transit hub. I think there's a solution to making sure the East Van Cross is very visible, still a, 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 an important landmark uh, on, the, on the east side. Nature's Path told Global News it too values the East Van Cross and is working to ensure it remains a visible and vibrant part of the community. Lum says it would be ironic if development blocked his art. You know, the, the, the work to a degree is about a kind of warding off or territorialization of, you know, of the divisions that's taking place in Vancouver between affordability and non-affordability. It's very, um, very creative, very innovative. And I think it should stay there, unobliterated. Kristen Robinson, Global News. All right, Barry is coming up with sports next. And later on tonight, the self-destructing art piece that sold for $1.4 million. Monday, it's actually a very, very useful document. Vehicle history reports. They're pretty dang accurate, the repairs that were done to a vehicle. So they're pretty comprehensive. The changes ahead. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. All right, let's catch up with all your sport now. And uh, a lot of teams playing, you said. All of them? Yes. Well, our three major ones are playing. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Sonny. The Whitecaps are in uh, desperation mode, trying to make the MLS playoffs. Today, they were in Toronto, taking on the defending MLS champs. But TFC have been more chump than champ this year. Toronto won't make the playoffs. Could the Whitecaps take advantage. In their last visit to Toronto, the Whitecaps got routed 5-2 in the Canadian Championship, but they got off to a great start. And from a very unlikely source, Niagara Falls boy Russell Tybert with a beauty. That's his first MLS goal in five years. That's right, five years. And he does it in his home province in front of his family. That is great timing. 1-0 Caps. Toronto get a chance to tie it, but Stepan Marinovic who's been a little suspect as the goalkeeper since coming back from the knee injury a couple months ago, did come up with some huge saves. Lucas Hansen denied there. Second half, more from TFC. It's Oro right on top of Marinovic, but the keeper comes up large again. Then a block from Jake Nerwinski. Later, though, Daniel Henry, the sliding tackle, gets his arm up. It's a handball in the box. That's a penalty. Josie Altidore will finish from the spot. Ties at 1-1, but much to Vancouver's credit, the answer right back. Jordan Much just in as a sub, on the run, perfect ball to Kai Kamara, who scores his team-leading 15th of the season. 2-1 Whitecaps back out front, and they hold on for a huge three points. So now they're just three points out of the final playoff spot with three games to play. They are still alive and kicking. 
Lions are also desperate in the CFL playoff chase, taking on the Argos as we speak at BC Place. The pressure is on, and maybe that's why Lions GM Ed Hervey called out starting quarterback John Jennings in the media today, saying he felt the young QB needs to be more dedicated to become an elite CFL quarterback. Shots fired. Let's see if it worked or not. Jennings has been inconsistent, no question. How would he respond? The defense certainly responded after getting lit up last week in Hamilton. Jordan Herdman unloading on S.J. Green, who had to leave the game. Herdman got a penalty for the hit to the head, but it sent a message. On offense, Jennings going up top. Brian Burnham, who makes another highlight reel catch. He's got the best hands in the CFL. Proves it again. That leads to this Jennings 14-yard touchdown pass to Corey Watson. Just threads the needle here, almost intercepted. 8-0 Lions after one. Second quarter, more from the defense. T.J. Lee is going to get a piece of the Argos uh, quarterback McLeod Bethel Thompson's arm. Davon Coleman, the defensive lineman, makes the interception. D linemen don't do that often, led to a field goal, 14-3 Lions. And then late in the half, it's Coleman again. What a play here. Knocks it down, makes the pick. When's the last time a D lineman had two picks and a half? Led to another field goal, 2010 BC at the break. Third quarter, Argos trying to inch closer, but again, that Lion defense comes through. Sean Lemon with the pressure. Bethel Thompson throws his fourth interception of the day. Winston Rose with the pick this time. And then in the fourth, Jennings at crunch time. This is what he needs to do more, in my opinion. Run the ball. He's a great athlete. 33-yard scamper. It's now 26-10 Lions very late in the fourth. It looks like they will hang on for the win. The Canucks had a dazzling debut the other night in their season opener, but now a much different test. The Canucks are on the road tonight in a rematch against the Flames in Calgary, the first of a six-game road trip. Can this young team play with that kind of confidence in hostile territory? Faceoff is about 25 minutes away. We'll have highlights tonight at 11. Earlier, from Sweden, the Oilers and Devils opening their season with a European road trip. First period, Connor McDavid just flying down the left side, sets up Milan Lucic on the power play, ties it up 1-1. Second period, the Devils will get a couple of goals in a 69-second span. The second by Travis Zajac, thanks to a little miscommunication between Cam Talbot and his defense, 3-1 Devils. And then in the third, it's Zajac one more time, and he shows some great hands here. Waits, waits, and then opens up Talbot before sliding it in. 5-2 the final. Devils beat the Oilers in Sweden. Senators and Leafs from Toronto. John Tavares looking for his second straight win as a Leaf. Second period, Mitch Marner spin move. And then how about that sensational saucer pass to West Van's Morgan Riley. Ties it at one. Boy, the Leafs are loaded with offensive talent. More from Marner, splits the D, and that, how about that move on uh, Craig Anderson? What a talent, Marner, 3-3, but Ottawa's now taking the lead, 4-3 in the third. And we'll show you one more, the Habs and Penguins from Pittsburgh. Canadians lost in overtime in their opener in Toronto the other night, but they're all over Pittsburgh in this one. Brendan Gallagher, the former Vancouver Giant captain with the goal there, 1-0 Habs, and then later Paul Byron. Breaking through, and look at that move on Matt Murray. 2-0 Canadians, and they are well in control in this one. 5-1 Habs late in the third. Welcome back. The Seahawks have scratched their way back to 500 after an 0-2 start, but now comes the real test. The 4-0 Los Angeles Rams, legitimate Super Bowl contenders, will visit CenturyLink tomorrow. The Rams have looked unstoppable so far. 
just like Chanel in the red zone. After their last second win last week in Arizona, Seattle now sits 2-2. Two and two. Not bad considering the Hawks had to play three of their first four on the road. But now the Seahawks step up in class as they face the Super Bowl favorites and a team that laid a smackdown on them at CenturyLink last season. Losing Earl Thomas is a massive blow. He leads the team with three interceptions, but more importantly, has Seattle in the top seven when it comes to passing defenses, allowing just 30 points in the last two games. Now the secondary has to deal with Jared Goff, the number two passer in the NFL, and to make matters worse, Seattle will be without linebacker Michael Kendricks, who's been suspended by the league for inside trading charges. For the second straight game, a Seahawk rush for 100 yards or more. Mike Davis ran for 101 and two touchdowns. Now the ground attack is the key. Establish possession and also keep that high-powered offense on the other side off the field. The Rams are the number one passing team, almost 470 yards a game, and they put up 35 points a game, second most overall. Now Jared Goff is tied for the second most touchdown passes with 11, and he looks to shred a Seattle defense missing its leader. Now Goff's weapons include three receivers in the top 20 with eight touchdowns, and then he has Todd Gurley, the best dual threat in the NFL. Six total touchdowns, expect him to add to that total on Sunday. Not only do they have the best offense, the Rams boast possibly the best one-two punch on defense. Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue have combined for four sacks, including three last week. With Seattle giving up 16 sacks this season, third most, this dynamic combo will be licking their chops when they line up against Wilson. The Rams come off a 10-day break, are favored by a touchdown, and have won five of the last eight versus the Hawks, including two of the last three at CenturyLink Field. Right by him. Baseball playoffs, game two of the American League Divisional Series, Cleveland and Houston. Former Blue Jay Josh Donaldson flashing the glove. Fantastic defense, diving stab there, makes the play. It's a major league play. Keeps the score 0-0. Cleveland led 1-0 in the sixth, but the Astros have so many weapons at the plate. Marwin Gonzalez with the double to right, scores two, and the Astros win 3-1. They lead the best of five series, 2-0. Boston and the Yankees playing game two right now. Red Sox lead that series, 1-0. Tennis from Tokyo, Denis Shapovalov taking on Russian Daniel Medvedev. Shapovalov looking to get his first ever ATP final appearance, but it didn't happen despite this... Nice passing attempt that Medvedev can't handle. Medvedev won the first set 6-3, and then the big Russian rattled off three straight aces to win the match. 6-3, 6-3. So Shapovalov falls short in Tokyo. Medvedev will meet Japan's Kei Nishikori in the final. EPL Saturday, Manchester United winless in its last four. They were down 2-0 early to Newcastle, but then roared back Anthony Martial to Paul Pogba, back to Martial. Beautiful play, beautiful finish. 2-2, big sigh of relief for Jose Mourinho, who is definitely feeling the heat. Then in the 90th minute, Alexis Sanchez completing the comeback in dramatic fashion as Manchester United comes all the way back to beat Newcastle 
two. And from the PGA Tour, from the Napa Valley, some young fans watching the veteran Brant Snedeker. Birdie putt here, extends his lead to four in the early going, and then Snedeker with his approach at 17. Leads to another birdie. He's got the lead at 16 under, but three BC players made the weekend. Merritt's Roger Sloan back on the PGA Tours at minus five. Nick Taylor of Abbotsford minus four. And Adam Svensson of Surrey, another PGA Tour rookie, is at minus three. Before, the world was big and there was less to consume. But now, the world is small. We've gone from analyzing to vetting to suffocating. And our minds get made up for us. Before, clarity and context and comfort. Now, uncharted. What to know, when to care, what's objective, what is fair. So in this landscape of now, how do we find our way like before? Global News. Navigate the now. All right, before we leave you tonight, a look at a stunt that has left the art world in shreds. That's for Can you believe what just happened? That is artist Banksy behind this. He built a shredder into his piece, Girl with a Balloon, so that moments after it was sold at auction, it would then self-destruct right in front of these people at the London Auction House in Sotheby's. They were left shocked. Banksy posting this Instagram video of people left stunned with the caption, going, going, gone. The piece sold for more than $1.8 million just before the shredder took place. We're not clear, not impossible now either, that maybe it's worth more because it's in several pieces. We just don't know. Isn't that nuts? Like you pay that money and then you just see it disappearing ahead of you. Banksy, smart. Yeah. If it's, we're not sure if it's a man or a woman. No, Banksy, and we're not correct? sure if we're speculating if uh, he or she was in the room, how it got triggered. Right. Someone so also many... obviously sent him the footage so he could post it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thank you very much Mission for watching. Mission accomplished, Banksy. <laughs> Thanks for watching. We'll see you back uh, here tonight at 11. Good night. <laughs>